Last week, Pastor Bob began us along on a journey through some characters in the Christmas story. We learned together of the role of the innkeeper, that the role that may, he may have played in the whole ordeal of the Christmas story. And uh, we asked, we questioned, we wondered aloud together the idea of, the, did the innkeeper realize a missed opportunity ever in his life? Did he understand fully his role in the story, maybe what he missed out on, maybe what he just didn't see right in front of him. And we asked ourselves the same question, what might we be experiencing in life on a possibly daily basis that God wants us to be his literal hands and feet in? And maybe because of the busyness, you've heard this, this attitude all through service already this morning of how busy we are in this season of life and what might we be missing out on as we're putting lights up? What might we be missing out on as we're working through our shopping list? What might we be missing out on because we just don't have enough time, money, energy, what might we be missing out on in an opportunity to live out the beauty of the gospel with our actions, our words, and with our lives? I'm overwhelmed, and I hope you are too. The reality that decisions you and I are making every day, decisions, small decisions, big decisions, decisions that you and I make every day, may very well have a bearing on where someone spends their eternity. Eternity. Two places. We believe it because of Scripture, not because a pastor tells us. We believe it because of God's Word that tells us where eternity will be spent for all of humanity. One of two places, heaven and hell. The conversation of heaven and hell uh, very quickly, it seems, moves from the simple uh, reality, the simple truth of one or two places to a, a complex network of theological and philosophical conversations. We, we, we begin to ask questions as we uh, understand the simple. We take it to the next step and we make it so complex that we have these questions of how and when and where and why and who. We, we want to figure it all out. We overcomplicate things as human beings. We are complicators. God uses simple things. This morning I want to take a look at the story of the simple shepherds in the story of Christmas and their angelic messengers. In, in this original Christmas story, there may be no greater example of Jesus' revelation, Jesus being revealed to humanity, than in the story of the shepherds and angels. And like the innkeeper, uh, the story of the innkeeper is not exhaustive in Scripture, right? It, it, it's just a, just a reminder that he even exists. Similarly, we don't know how many we don't know where they're from. We don't know how many sheep they had. We don't know their names. We don't know their identities. We don't know their families. We don't know all of the story of the shepherds. And so we get to do something very fun and read between the lines. 
You ever do that? You ever read a story to your kids and you've read it so many times, you know it inside and out, and you begin to add voices to the characters? Do you know the voice of the characters? You don't. But we invent it to make it a little bit more imaginative. We, we add a little bit. We, we, we begin to, I, I change some of the words. My kids know when that happens. In Scripture, as we look at Scripture and we see the storyline, there's so much that we don't know. And we, as the church, have been inventing the between the lines continually as we portray the Christmas story on stage. You've seen it. If you've been a part of the church, you've seen the nativity story portrayed in a hundred different ways on a stage similar to this, right? You've seen a whole group of young shepherd boys with their staffs that they're using as weapons in between scenes. They do their best home alone face when the angelic hosts come out. You remember this? I was a shepherd. I still remember. Maybe, uh, like me, you grew up in a smaller church and you saw the one shepherd because of staffing issues. Staffing issues? on it's in here you've seen the one shepherd do his best to act uh, in, in shock and awe as those angels show up and he gives his best jaw drop but it's not very believable hollywood too continues to produce attempts at giving us a glimpse into the what if part of the story maybe you've gone through a, a drive through nativity or you've seen uh, the the scene portrayed in many many different ways there's a a great 23 minute uh, uh, adaptation of the story of a shepherd uh, available right now. Uh, this is, I, we don't get paid for this. I wish I did. Uh, vidangel.com is a great, interesting website. Check it out. Uh, right now, they have something called The Shepherd. It's 23 minutes. Great perspective, uh, a, a written perspective of what a shepherd went through on that night. Whatever it truly looked like, it's probably irrelevant, but what counts is that the experience of the shepherds did take place. It happened, and it has implications for me and for you today. Christmas 2017, there is a reason we still look at this story, and what we understand from the Scripture is revealing to us and a reminder to us that we have a response. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation again. Here's the story as scripture reveals it. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will, be, that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go! 
Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the, the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph right there. There was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things hidden in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Lord, we believe your word is active, that it is moving, revealing you continually to humanity. Allow your blessing upon the reading of your scripture. And now, Lord, as we continue to have this conversation about it, use this time, Lord, to change us, to reveal your will to our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The first interesting thing maybe to see in this passage of scripture is the, the, the praise involved in this cast of characters. The praise of the angels and the shepherds. The angels in this passage of scripture are praising God as they announce the birth of Jesus, the savior of the world. Uh, the scripture says there is praise on their lips. As they uh, exclaim this reality, this birth announcement, they are praising God. The shepherds too praise God as this announcement is confirmed upon their hearts and their uh, lives as they arrive and find out that it is truth expressed. And so, for us today, as Jesus is revealed to us, we too have an opportunity to reveal Christ to the world in praise. Praise must be the response of those to whom Christ has been revealed. We are the shepherds today. But what is praise? How do we praise? What should we do in praise? Is praise simply three songs before a service or during a worship service? Is praise turning on the family life radio and singing along? Is praise something confined to a place, a time? Is praise something as simple as what we've made it? Let's look at the example of both the angels and the shepherds to learn better how we are to live out simple praise. First, the angels' praise in the story in Scripture. Their praise is magnificent. The host of angels declare in the beginning of verse 14, glory to God in the highest. This praise is magnificent because of who gives it. Who, who is praising God in this passage right here? Angels. What do we know about angels? A lot from the movie or the show Touched by an Angel, right? That's reality. Every Hollywood representation of angels is real, right? No. Goodness. I'm always nervous that our, our, our services are recorded and, and taped and someone's going to edit certain things together and I'm going to be in deep trouble someday. 
What we know about angels is very little, right? I mean, yes, there are books written about all that we know through scriptural of angels, scripture about angels. And it's a fascinating study, if you have time, to study through what scripture reveals, the little portion of what we know about these created angelic beings. And the rest we've invented, we've read between the lines. Do you know what I mean? We've added some ideas that aren't necessarily even scriptural. But here we have these created beings who are singing praise about the arrival of the Messiah. For the birth of his son, God chose to use a simple virgin, promised to a simple carpenter. But to announce his arrival, he chooses nothing less than angels to declare the news to those simple shepherds. I used it already once, but do you remember the term? Do you know the term used in uh, the media, shock and awe? Do you know, you know the benefit of that term that we, you know, we talk about, we as uh, America? If we would just show a little bit of our might, we could shock and awe some people into submission, right? We, we know that term. We know. Can we see here that God is choosing in this moment as he is announcing the arrival of his one and only son? He uses, can I say, can I read between the lines, just a sliver of the shock and awe? of the creator of all things. He starts with one male angel revealing to the angel, uh, revealing to the shepherds, and then the shepherds are probably in shock and awe, and then the hosts arrive. Just to add a little bit of, little bit of Hollywood. Do you remember how this was portrayed uh, on a stage like this? We add a couple more lights. You know, a couple more lumens uh, when the host arrives and these angels appear out of nowhere. They were just in the shadow, right? God does so much more than we can in this moment. He uses the angels to reveal the arrival of his son. Need we agree that angels are magnificent? Again, we don't know an awful lot about them. But God chose his creation to reveal his one and only son to the world. Can I remind you? Because sometimes I think we need reminded. I mean, it'd be cool to be an angel. Whatever an angel is and does. But do you need reminded right now that you're magnificent the scripture calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. That you, human being, have been created in the image of Almighty God. Science class in elementary school, junior high school, and high school taught you something different than what we have revealed to us in scripture. That it's not by chance friends, I hope you'll believe this. Not because Pastor Stevens says it, but because God's word says it. You are magnificent. You are not an accident. You are not the 
accumulation of many cells that just happen to get shocked by some unknown power source. You have been created for a purpose. You are not a product of chance. God's word to Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I called you out. I consecrated you. I set you apart and called you holy and loved. As you praise as you sing songs of Christmas that declare the truth of Jesus Christ, remember that your praise is a part of your purpose. That by your creation, you have been designed to reflect the one who made you. Your praise, your songs, your attitude, your actions are reflective on the one who made you. Praise is magnificent because of who gives it. In the passage, it's the angels. In our life, we are magnificently created in the image of Almighty God, and our praise is magnificent. Praise here in this passage is also magnificent because of who it's directed towards. The angels say it, praise and glory to God. Not praise and glory to this unique situation in this manger that's happening, Not to the miraculous birth of a a virgin. The angels are directing their praise to nothing less than Almighty God, the creator of all things. We direct praise in a lot of different directions. From attaboy, attagirl, good job, way to go, go team. Our praise from our hearts, our attitude of praise must always be directed to the King of kings and Lord of lords. But can I confess to you that a lot of even my praise to God only comes when things are going exceptionally well. You know how much harder it is to praise God when life's tough? You do know. You ever see a quarterback throw the winning touchdown pass like the dream of every kid, guy, I don't know, me? Throw that winning touchdown and the the crowd goes bonkers, the catch has been made, and then the quarterback does this. And as a Christian, I watch that go, yes! I'm like, yes, he's giving praise to God. How many quarterbacks throw an interception and go, we'd fire them, right? We'd bench them quickly. Something's wrong. In our life, it's easy to do this when the winning touchdown happens while you're on the field. It's easy to sing praises to God. It's easy to uh, point praise back to God when things are going well. When things are going like I planned them and I wrote them out and things are happening along my terms. But when things are broken, this is where it comes. This is where the rubber meets the road for us as believers. We are called to praise no matter the circumstance. So Paul reminds Christians that we are, we are called to give thanksgiving in every circumstance. We're to, we're to be praising God for who he is regardless of how it works out on my schedule, in my time, in my family, in my church. 
He's worthy of our praise no matter. Praise is magnificent because of who it is directed towards, not a circumstance, not a surrounding situation. It is directed towards Him and Him alone. As we enter into an Advent season, the Advent season traditionally in the church is a time for us as Christians to remember that Christ has come and he's coming again. We, we live with an expectancy of Jesus' return. Advent is designed for us to focus in and remember that, not just get caught up in the hurriedness of a season. May this season of Advent and every season of our life be filled with magnificent praise. It's a term we don't use very much. Another aspect of the praise from the angels is that it's, it's mesmerizing. Verse 14, it says that the angels in their praise, they, they're declaring peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth is a, a mesmerizing, allow it to be that for you, a mesmerizing term. Peace on earth, it is a sought-after ideal, Right? Isn't this what the world is hopefully expectant of? World peace, peace on earth. It, it, it marks our calendars. It marks our, 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 our cards that we send around this time. It's a continually uh, spoken ideal from those from within the church as well as those outside. And the world would think, the world would preach, the world would teach that world peace comes to the most powerful the ones with the biggest army can help bring about world peace. Don't we this morning as believers in Jesus Christ have the promise that the only true peace, a peace that surpasses all human understanding, is only going to come through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can we have true peace on this earth? Trick question. We say, nope, not going to happen in my lifetime. Too many nukes, too many buttons to push. Can we have peace amidst a storm? Why? How? Jesus. The angels praise here in this passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 2 is a universal, mesmerizing promise that the, the God they are glorifying is offering true world peace. Peace on earth. The truth that they are revealing is that Christ, the Son of God, is this babe wrapped in cloth, is the true peace giver. So what for us today? I would suggest that you and me find ways to proclaim that Jesus is truly the only peace, the only true source of peace for this world. It's not a specific political party. No partisan agreement, no vote is ever going to bring true, authentic peace to all people. Jesus is. Jesus is. Is. Let us, as Christians, as disciples, as followers of the way, be first to complain, to, to proclaim. First to complain? That's a good, good soundbite there. Be the first to proclaim that peace is not found in anything under this sun. It is found under the one who placed his son. 
Peace is available in our hopeful, expectant season of waiting in Advent. May we be renewed to declare the praises of the peacemaker, Jesus Christ. Third, the shepherd's praise is quite memorable. In responding to the angel's declaration declaration, and their, their praise of God, we see that the shepherd's journey to find out, is this announcement true? Is this really happening? And their immediate response in verse 20 reveals what they did upon finding out that it was true. The shepherds go back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The confirmation to what they had been told, they, they, they found out that it was true, results in the shepherds responding in kind. They return, presumably back to where the angels were. I, I wonder, in my Hollywood mind, do they go back hoping for round two of the angels going, told ya, here we are again, let's do some more dancing. The angels gave them the news, and, and these shepherds return this attitude of praise, and they praise God for what they had been told in its confirmation. They glorify and praise God for all that they'd heard and seen is true. They return this attitude of praise. They were promised a baby. They were promised that it would be wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger, and that's what they found. Scripture says, verse 17 and 18, after seeing this, after seeing this reality, what they'd been promised, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. They go out and what the angel has said to them about this child All who heard their story hear a memorable story, and they are astonished. They are shocked. They are in awe of the truth. They are amazed at what these shepherds were declaring, that the Messiah, the Savior that we've been prophesied about, the the, the one who we've waited for is here. Their message of news, the gospel, was so simple and memorable. The simplicity of the shepherd's story is revealing to us, I think. These were simple shepherds keeping watch over their flock. We sing it. We know it. These shepherds are not dressed in beautiful robes. The shepherds Even sometimes up here, don't smell very good. The shepherds are the daily man, the the grunt, the the, the worker. They're the peasant. They are the lowly. They are the ordinary. They are the normal. They're not the dignitaries. They're not the white-collar elitists. They aren't the popular ones or the famous ones. They aren't the known in their community ones. They aren't the ones who uh, many would have expected to be the first to be told of the Messiah's birth. They wouldn't be the ones on the top of the list for for God to reveal to that Jesus had been born. These simple shepherds, they encounter the Messiah, the truth that the angels speak to them. They encounter, they, they have Jesus revealed to them. They experience him in person and they were changed. These shepherds met Jesus and they were changed. Here's where we write in between the lines in our minds. What happened afterwards? Write that movie. I'll watch it. It has to be a movie. Books are too long. The shepherds are changed. The shepherds met Jesus. 
And they left forever changed, proclaiming what they had experienced with a joy-filled attitude. When people meet Jesus, they're changed. Have you met Jesus? Have you been changed? Have you been transformed by grace? We use a fancy word in church. It's called testimony. It's used in courthouses too, I suppose. Testimony is us recounting the story of the change. And in a, if you've heard any pastor talk about the term testimony, we, 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 we use terms, we, we try to encourage people, that, hey, your story, your testimony, it, it, it could help someone else in their journey. Your story of how you were before you had a relationship with Jesus Christ and, 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 and what that moment looked like for you and how God has done incredible things since then. Is your testimony, your story, it, it reveals Christ to a, a lost and dying world. Your story is important. Your story is where to start in sharing Jesus with someone else. The shepherds met Jesus and were changed. I've met Jesus. I've been changed. You've, many of you, have met Jesus and you've been changed. He wants to use what happens in the change to continue the process in others. He called the initial disciples to be fishers of just 12. He's calling us to do the same. To be people who go out and are disciples who make disciples. It's a beautiful, exponential opportunity. I want to tell you what happened, something really cool that happened yesterday at our courthouse here in Clearfield yesterday afternoon. Maybe some of you saw it. I heard from some people after I shared this story that saw what was going on. I didn't. I wasn't there. I saw pictures of it on the internet, so it must be real. Before I tell you exactly what happened, let me go back and give you a little bit of history about why this happened. Sam and Angel Scribe have a life group that meets here in the church that they are uh, in charge of. They've taken leadership of a, a life group that meets uh, after second service. They have a meal together and they go out to the, the lobby and they fellowship together. They pray for each other. Uh, from what I can tell by the crumbs left behind, there's about 500 to 600 people who are a part of it. They laughed in first service at that too. There's a handful of couples, families, uh, that literally they desire to do life together. There's some structure to our life group model here at Hyde Wesleyan Church. One of the, one of the things we try to do is provide questions from a Sunday's message so that uh, the, the, the life groups can have conversation about Something that happens in, in a typical Sunday morning is a pastor preaches and everybody goes home and they have their conversations maybe in some private areas, but life groups have an opportunity to, to, to chew on things and to ask hard questions and to hopefully come up with an application of how to apply God's word to our everyday life. And Sam and Angel have been doing this for a couple of years and the group has grown and people have come and, and gone. And this, this is a, if you, if, you, if you allow me this, it is a, a church within a church. 
This group of people, if you think about the number of people, it's not 500 to 600, there's a couple families, a handful of families, a couple handfuls of families. The, The amount of people that are meeting in this life group is actually larger than the church was, Hyde Wesleyan Church was, when Pastor Bob and his family came here 32 years ago. It's pretty incredible to think through. This is a life group that is happening within our church, a church within the church. They are caring for each other. Uh, We we, we try to influence and tell them, do life together. We we find ways to grow in discipleship together. And life groups have been a part of Hyde Wesleyan Church over many years. And we're continuing to hopefully birth new ones and opportunities to do life together. I know, I've heard them laugh together. They talk loudly. I, I have not confirmed whether they cry together, but I I suppose there's time for that. They pray for each other. They share burdens with one another. They are doing life and growing together as Christians. On Saturday, before Saturday, this life group has actively pursued finding opportunities to give back to their community, to serve, to be generous, to find ways to love outside of their means. And on Saturday, they decided together as a group, that they were going to go to the parade, the Christmas parade. And they were going to set up shop. They were going to put up a couple tables and have some homemade cookies and homemade hot cocoa and those little um, candy canes that you can swallow in one bite. I said that in first service. Please, kids, do not swallow candy canes. Adults, no, don't either. They just decided to go out there and, and, and just love the Clearfield community. I love it. I saw pictures late last night. It's a beautiful picture. I called Sam this morning just to get an update of how, how did everything go yesterday. I mean, I see pictures. I, it looks great. Pictures lying on the internet? Never. Sam gave me some input of what took place and some of the things that he spoke I noted here in my notes. One of the things Sam said was it was so simple to put together this opportunity. Very minimal set up. The people, the group of people who were willing to do it were excited. The tables came, the items were homemade, and, and, and people provided them, were excited to provide them. It, it was a, a simple effort. It didn't take much effort for their opportunity to show Christ's love in this instance. It was simple. Another thing he said is that people were surprised that it was free stuff. Free cookies, free hot chocolate. I, I, I love the reality of us as humans. When we see something for free, for free, we look for the fine print under the word free, right? We've been taught by advertising that free doesn't mean it doesn't. But people came and they were, they, Sam said they were trying to give us donations and we just kept saying, no, 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 this is just an expression of love. Just receive this. I, I heard someone there who actually went to the booth. I talked to them in between services and they said they weren't just store-bought cookies, Remember that part from earlier? They were homemade cookies, and they were not just homemade cookies like this. I get to punch all of you in the arm if you're looking at this, if you remember that game from junior high. They were real cookies. They were worth something, and and, and people were just overjoyed to get a cookie and a cup of hot chocolate that was homemade with milk, not water from the courthouse spigot. That's how I would have done it. People are skeptical. People in our culture are skeptical that something so simple could be so profound, I believe. Another part that Sam shared with me is that 
the group of people that were a part of this. It wasn't their entire life group. It was the people who were available and wanted to be a part of it that day. There were some that are in the life group that couldn't make it that day, and they want to be a part of the next thing. That's part of this. Sam brought out that that group of people kind of solidified something in their core as they joined arms together and they served alongside one another. And, and what could have, I mean, some of you are like, that would be kind of awkward, stand in front of the courthouse and hand out a cup of hot ch- I don't know if I could do. This group of people did it and they grew together as disciples of Jesus Christ. The families were a part of it. Kids were uh, involved. They were, they were handing out flyers about the, 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 the Christmas open house event happening next week. It's so cool. I believe a truth from that reality is that serving together reaps a, a, a big reward. I love how the message paraphrase gives us, breaks down uh, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Listen to this paraphrased version of, of Scripture. Jesus' words, This is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cup of cool water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true disciple, a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. If you've been changed by the simple, profound truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what might be your simple but profound opportunity to respond. Reflect in the coming week on the story of the angelic host and these shepherds. Can you, can I praise God for who he is and what he brings just as the angels did? Can I praise God just for who he is? Can I also bring praise because I have confirmed in my heart, I have been changed. I am not who I was, just as the shepherds did. As you experience the change that comes through grace in Jesus Christ, share it. Be generous. Be his hands and feet. Have you heard these things before? Share the gift. Share his gift. Share his gift in a simple way. A simple cup of hot chocolate, homemade. Maybe Swiss Miss. Whatever it is, find opportunity to be a blessing. Find a way to be love in someone else's life. Maybe today. Maybe this week. Maybe for Christmas, God used simple shepherds to declare his perfect peace. God continues to use simple men and women, boys and girls, just like me and you, to continue his same declaration that the Prince of Peace is here. We have the opportunity to share it. What are we waiting for? Would you stand? Jesus' words again in closing, this is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true 
disciple, you won't lose out on a thing. What is it? What's the simple act of obedience God is already placing on many of our hearts in this room? Whatever it is, trust him to provide all that is necessary to move from the thought to the action. Let's pray. God, thank you for uniting us together in this place for worship and praise and teaching. Thank you for your word which penetrates even the hardest of hearts for this living, active, this breathing thing called your word. Lord, I ask that you would continue to penetrate our hearts, challenge us, not just that we feel challenged, but challenge us to be all that you've asked us to be. Some of us need more reminding than others, more often, more loud. God, would you be that? Would you find us faithful to trust you for all the strength necessary to do your will? Thank you for the story of the simple shepherds. Thank you, God, for choosing to send your angels to simple people. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to make disciples of simple people. May we see our simple ways as strength in your sight. Use us how you see fit. Bless us as we leave from this place today. May we continue to live out the truths that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said,